25 years ago, the U.S.-Mexico border was forever changed. Operation Gatekeeper drastically increased immigration enforcement in San Diego. The increased staffing, technology, and new structures forced those looking to cross without documents to make the trek further east, resulting in thousands of deaths of those that couldn't survive the journey. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is Border Dispatch, a special episode of your San Diego News Fix. Christina Davis, you're a part of the Border Enterprise team at the Union-Tribune, and recently you wrote a story looking back at the history of Operation Gatekeeper. What was the border like before? Before Gatekeeper, and we're talking pre-1994, so this is around the 80s and 90s, San Diego was the busiest corridor in the country for illegal crossings. Mm -hmm. And um, I talked to people who were on the border at that time, um, including one of our own photojournalists who who photographed the border heavily. And they talked about just this chaotic scene um, where hundreds, if not thousands, of migrants would uh, kind of stage up in certain areas along the... um, Mexican border and TJ and just wait for a nightfall. Mm-hmm. And once it was dark, they would just run across in waves. Um, and they far outnumbered the border patrol agents who were there to catch them. So in a sense, things were way more chaotic than they used to be or than they are now. One of the ways that residents um, actually saw this migration pattern and it was in their face was mm-hmm. because if they would be driving down Interstate 5 and you'd have uh, dozens of people running in front of your cars trying to cross the freeway Mm -hmm. um, to get to, a lot of them were going to LA. Um, And so there were a lot of uh, traffic accidents where migrants were hit on the freeways. Yeah, that sounds crazy. So can you, what exactly was Operation Gatekeeper? Kind of like give us the 101 of it. So Operation Gatekeeper uh, was a whole new strategy of uh, enforcing the border. Mm-hmm. I think it was the government's way of saying, we're going to take back control of the border. That that phrase was used a lot. Um, and I think the way that Border Patrol were deployed beforehand, um, there weren't that many uh, agents, and they would uh, be roaming around in places where they thought uh, there would be crossings. And as 100 people are coming at you, um, you kind of catch the the three or the five or whatever closest to you that you can get your hands on and you arrest them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people were Mexican at that at that time and they could uh, process them very quickly and uh, get them back over the border in Mexico very quickly and then they'd go out and do it again several times a night. Um, I talked to an agent who says he remembers arresting the same group of three or four guys like three or four times in the same night because wow. they sent them back and then they just keep coming back. Um, Operation Gatekeeper really was uh, patrolling the border in multiple layers. Rather than just running nilly-willy, catching migrants, they wanted to deter them from crossing in the first place. So what they would do is um, they had a lot more agents come in to the San Diego sector, Mm -hmm. and they would deploy them basically like in a human fence, so to say. They would just line them up. Um, across a stretch of border within eyesight of one another um, and also very visible to the migrants on the other side. Um, And then there would be a second layer and a third layer 
So if migrants actually did decide to cross and got past that first line, then there were other layers behind them that could then go and catch them. Um, so it was asking the agents to do their job um, much more in like um, standing sentries in yeah. a way. And uh, the other part of Gatekeeper was adding a lot more, not just agents, but um, new technology. You had um, seismic sensors that were deployed, um, new radios, new vehicles. There was a lot more infrastructure as far as building roads uh, to get along the fence areas. Mm -hmm. And a big part of this was also creating the wall, right? Actually, that's a little bit of a misconception. the wall started going up in San Diego around 1990, um, and before then it was just strands of barbed wire in mm-hmm. some places. Some places there wasn't anything at all, um, and it was more of just like a visual cue of where the border was. Um, obviously, people just crossed it. Um, so in 1990, they secured Vietnam War-era landing mat, mm-hmm. um, and that started going up in the more urban areas um, of the border here in San Diego. But it wasn't that high, um, so it was pretty easy to get over. And the way that they installed it is it's basically these sheets of corrugated metal, um, and they turned them sideways, so it basically just acted as a big ladder for people to just climb right on over. We had a lot of congressional researchers come out and studies done, and their conclusion was is this is not effective at all. so that's why Gatekeeper came along. So that came along in 1994 then. Um, they saw this this new wall or fence wasn't really stopping a lot of people. Um, so then the ploy was, um, okay, now that we have this wall, we're going to actually um, reinforce it with manpower and with uh, technology. So who were the big political players that were pushing these reforms? Operation Gatekeeper uh, was actually under Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. a Democrat, And his administration, um, the attorney general at the time, Janet Reno, came out to San Diego um, uh, several times, actually, around that time um, to help uh, develop it and get support for some some kind of uh, operation, which turned into Gatekeeper. And the uh, Department of Homeland Security um, had a big hand in it. And I think our local Border Patrol agents had a big hand in... um, designing more of like what's the boots on the ground strategy and and what do we need to do this effectively. And what was the national conversation like about immigration at that time? Right around the early 90s, you really started seeing um, in California more of an anti-immigration or tough on immigration kind of sentiment Mm -hmm. uh, rising up. Um, Pete Wilson, who was the mayor of San Diego at one point, and he was our governor at that time. Um, he he was a very loud voice. He blamed Washington a lot for uh, not funding or doing anything to help California secure its border, and um, he was saying uh, all of those costs are being passed on to California taxpayers. So um, he was someone who was really um, elevating that conversation here in California. So how long did it take for the effects of Operation Gatekeeper to really be felt? Arrests uh, right in the first few weeks um, and maybe first few months were, were pretty high, actually, um, as they as the migrants and Mexicans and the Border Patrol agents kind of got the hang of what was happening. Um, but then apprehensions did start to decrease quite a bit, um, and they were the Border Patrol was 
calling that a success, basically, that the deterrence was working. Um, and if you look at a chart over the next 25 years, I mean, mm-hmm. San Diego is among the lowest um, apprehension places here in the country. Mm-hmm. A lot of the activity has moved east. And so for the, the critics of this uh, operation, what do they say about the effects of this 25 years later? Several critics that I talked to point to a very high human cost that came along with Operation Gatekeeper and that it really shouldn't have surprised anybody. Mm-hmm. One of the main points of Operation Gatekeeper was to deter migrants from crossing in urban areas and to push them to more isolated wilderness areas where um, Border Patrol said it would be easier to catch them if they crossed. Um, and they also thought that it just being harder would prevent them from crossing mm-hmm. as well. Well, they were wrong. Um, people still continued to cross, uh, and they just moved into these isolated wilderness desert areas, um, and that led to a lot of deaths. There's about 8,000, I think, recorded or uh, estimated deaths. That number is as high as the, like, 12,000 by some counts. I think there's a lot that are unaccounted for, uh, believed to be still out there in the desert, their remains. Mm -hmm. And now that immigration has taken really a front seat in the national dialogue, what do you think are the biggest kind of, I suppose, the legacy of this operation that still kind of rings true today? I think a lot of people see this, for better or worse, depending on what side you're on, I think everyone would agree that Operation Gatekeeper completely changed the border um, here in San Diego and across the country because once it was seen as a success uh, in the eyes of the government here, they took that and and kind of ran with it Mm -hmm. um, in many other areas along the southwest border. Um, So like I was saying earlier in our conversation, If you're somewhat new to San Diego, you've been here in the past decade or so, the border looks totally different than what it did uh, 25, 30 years ago, um, night and day. Mm -hmm. And uh, you mentioned that uh, earlier today you had a press conference in which those critical of the operation were kind of um, speaking out about the harms that it had over time. And you mentioned a Border Patrol agent that decided to quit in protest. So her name is Jen Budd, and she was talking about um, how she was hired for the Border Patrol, um, I think in 1995. Uh, So Gatekeeper was just getting started, um, and they had a big hiring push at that time. They needed more agents for this strategy to work. And uh, she was out in the Campo uh, district. So that was much farther east. A lot of the gatekeeper activity at first was concentrated in Imperial Beach Station, Mm -hmm. which was that seven mile or so stretch um, from the ocean in. And and that was that was where a lot of the crossings were happening. Mm -hmm. Um, So they hit that area first. But she said immediately she could see the effects of gatekeeper because all of a sudden, all of a sudden Campo and those farther east um, stations were getting a lot more traffic than they had in the past, and it was just pushing people um, east. Mm-hmm. Where it's much more dangerous to cross. Exactly. She was also talking about, um, in Campo at that point, uh, that landing mat fence was still kind of going up, kind of moving farther east as well. 
And she talked about how much that changed the community feeling of Campo and, and the Tecate area. Um, she said it was quite normal for kids, U.S. kids, Mexican kids to kind of cross freely, go to grandma and grandpa's house, go back, um, come over, play soccer and um, run errands and things. And she said that completely changed with the construction of the fence there that that uh, people had to drive many miles to go through a port of entry and then drive many miles to go back around. And um, she says what used to be a strong community feel, cross-border community, uh, got completely disrupted by the building of that fence. Mm-hmm. And I imagine after this, the wall went up in San Diego, the relationship with Tijuana probably changed pretty fast too. Yes. I mean, the same thing uh, as with Campo. I mean, I think a lot of people see it as this huge, as one single economic, cultural kind of region. Um, and that has definitely changed with the construction of a border fence. And, and I- um, the interesting thing about Jen's uh, story is that she became so uh, disillusioned with the job that she was doing and the things that she was being told to do to enforce the border um, that she ended up quitting after about six years and she she quit in protest and um, in her letter quitting she basically called the Border Patrol a a corrupt organization. Mm -hmm. And uh, now as immigration is at the national forefront of many conversations, what are the biggest things that you think the Border Patrol has learned after all of this with their current strategies? I think one of the biggest debates that's going on right now are border walls, mm-hmm. right? Do walls work? Um, I think the Border Patrol uh, will say that walls work, um, but I think there's a lot of evidence, and I think that they will uh, also agree with us that walls work uh, when there are other resources to back them up. Mm-hmm. Walls completely by themselves aren't as effective. Mm-hmm. They can only do so much. They can only do so much. Um, that all being said, uh, a lot of people are seeing these brand new 30-foot walls that are, have been constructed here in San Diego um, over the past year or so um, as probably changing that a little bit. Uh, I think there's a point where border infrastructure gets uh, so strong Um that the agents don't have to work as hard uh, to prevent people from crossing. And our, our infrastructure now, I mean, you've got two walls, uh, plus the whole thing is totally lined with cameras, with sensors. Um, you've pretty much got eyes on that 14-mile stretch at all times, and you pretty much know when there's a breach. Mm-hmm. And that just forces people to cross in other places, the Ojai Wilderness, or even further east in the desert. Correct. All right. Christina Davis, thank you so much. Thank you. In other immigration news, lawyers with Jewish Family Service who are providing legal services to migrants have been told to stop by the immigration court, but they're doing it anyway. The lawyers have been providing informational sessions for people who are waiting for asylum in Mexico as part of the Migrant Protection Protocols Program, better known as Remain in Mexico. About 1% of migrants have found attorneys to argue their immigration cases, so that's why Jewish Family Services tried to help as friends of the court. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. 
on weekday mornings, you can also hear a quick rundown of local weather and headlines. Just tell your smart speaker to launch the San Diego Union Tribune. You can also get the Flash Briefing as a podcast. For a full listing of our audio offerings, go to uniontrib.com slash podcasts. Until next time.